May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So if even your bishop can forget a prayer she has said at the beginning of every sermon for over 20 years, <laughs> relax. <laughs> now looking at those who are going to be ordained, I don't see any lamps, but you all look like you're dressed for action. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. And you're all dressed differently today than you were yesterday. How did it feel to put that collar on this morning and look at yourself in the mirror? And in a moment after you've taken your vows and been ordained, you'll be putting on a stole, a symbol of the yoke of Christ. The yoke is easy and the burden is light, but it is a yoke. You are laboring. You are a servant with Jesus, our shepherd, Jesus, our leader, telling us where to go. It is around your neck, and you are listening to Christ as Christ tells you where to go. And you're not laboring alone because you are tied and yoked to every other person wearing that yoke. So you can no longer just go off on your own. We are yoked together. And wearing your collar, wearing your stole, being dressed for action is definitely not the most essential part of being ordained to the diaconate. But it's not nothing. You are now dressed for action. You are a visible sign of God's love for the world and a reminder that the face of God's love looks like your face. God still sees you as you, but the world is going to see you differently. And so it's a tangible reminder how we're dressed that you, that we, are called into service. And the rest of the parable reminds us that although we are the servants who are waiting for the master to come home, as soon as the master does come home, it's the master who serves it's the master, it's Jesus who kneels at our feet to serve us who thought we were the servants when we thought that we were the ones who were supposed to be doing the serving. And that at its best is what the life of ordained ministry is like. We make our vows and we promise to serve and then we discover that it's our own lives that are enriched a thousand times more than we think that we have ever done for others. We reach out to heal and find that we have been healed. We reach out to love and discover that, that we are the beloved. Keep your lamps lit. You are being ordained to reflect the light of Christ to the world, which means nourishing that little flame. Sometimes you need to trim your wick. Sometimes you need to go out and buy more oil. Sometimes you need to borrow it from a friend. Keep your lamp lit. Eventually, it will feel normal for you to be dressed for action like you are today. But because of the vows you are taking today, and even more so the vows you already made at your baptism, 
and are now identifiable by your dress. You are called to be the hands and feet of Christ at a moment's notice. At any moment, someone who sees you may call upon you to be the deacon that God has called you to be. But you do not do so alone. We sang St. Patrick's breastplate on our way in. So you have been bound to every divine and cosmic power in the universe. You have been bound to the strong name of the Trinity, the incarnation, the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, the parousia. Christ is with us, within us, behind us, before us, beside us, beneath us, and above us. And you have the Holy Spirit. And you're about to be given the Holy Spirit in a new way. As your bishop and as a new bishop, I've been reflecting a lot on the different words for how the Holy Spirit functions in different sacraments. You know, how is the Holy Spirit different as a gift at baptism than it is at confirmation and now than it is at an ordination? Baptism, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about being reborn through the Spirit. Confirmation, it's about being strengthened by the Spirit. At Eucharist, the Holy Spirit descends upon the gifts and upon us. And today, what I will say for each of you in that prayer of ordination is, give your Holy Spirit to each of you. Give your Holy Spirit to Patrice, to Pam, to Caleb, to Nelson, to Devon, and to Heather. You're being given the Holy Spirit which in a way sounds a lot more like the way that the Holy Spirit encounters Jesus at his baptism. You know, you're being given a thing. It's a dove that's coming down to rest on your shoulder and be with you for the rest of your ministry. Now, that image of the dove coming down and resting on you is one that, over the years, I discovered a certain scientific fact that has inspired me whenever I hear the story of Christ's baptism. As many of you who, as those of you who will be leading congregations will learn, every year you'll get to preach on the baptism of our Lord, and every year you will be looking for what makes this year different from all the other years of the baptism of our Lord. And one year, about 10 years ago, when I was preparing my sermon for the baptism of our Lord, I wasn't sure what else to say, but it was one of the years where the dove figures in the text. And I thought, well, maybe if I look up doves, I will learn something about doves that will provide some radical insight. So I googled doves, and I discovered that doves and pigeons are the same thing. Jesus comes up out of the Jordan, and the Holy Spirit descends like a pigeon. (laughs) Does not have the same resonance for my theology. But then, my now ex-husband and I started talking about that, and he pointed out that, well, maybe on the banks of the River Jordan, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. But maybe on the banks of the East River... The Holy Spirit looks like a pigeon. (laughs) And doesn't that tell us something about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit sometimes comes to us in just rarefied, beautiful, spectacular, obvious ways. 
And sometimes the Holy Spirit looks like a pigeon. But when the Holy Spirit is like a pigeon, you know what it means? The Holy Spirit is ubiquitous. It is everywhere. It surrounds us. There are flocks of the Holy Spirit all around the world. And if you get to a point, as my congregation in New York did, where every time you see a pigeon, you think, there's the Holy Spirit. You will remember that the Holy Spirit is everywhere. And that the Holy Spirit does not necessarily only come in places that we think of as holy. And so your commission as deacons is to go out and find the pigeons. You are called to go out and find the Holy Spirit in the world, in the places where the world does not know the Holy Spirit is, because the world doesn't recognize a pigeon as the Holy Spirit. But you are called to find that Holy Spirit, raise it up, and testify to it, because you have been given the Holy Spirit, and to bring it back to the church and say, look, the Holy Spirit is here. When the church looks and says, no, that's just something dirty. You are called to find the Holy Spirit in those places and bring those concerns to the church and testify to their holiness. Now, I am dressed for action today, too. And when I commissioned this cope, Um, from the artist who made it, she asked me if I had any animals that were special for my ministry. And I said, well, the only one I can think of is a pigeon, but you wouldn't want to put that on a cope. (laughs) But on the back of this cope, drinking from the water of life as it runs out from a canyon, is a pigeon. The urban Holy Spirit is on this cope to remind me that when I'm dressed for action, I am to remember the Holy Spirit is there in so many more forms than I might think, and to always look for it. So be dressed for action, keep your lamps lit, and be the hands and feet of the body of Christ in the world. Amen.